Jordani Karma, and I've loved to read ever since I can remember, but I haven't always understood how to find the books that work for me. In the last few years, I put focused time into my reading life to explore new-to-me genres and find the reading frameworks that work for me. I've gone from being completely lost in a sea of titles to homing in on the exact reads that will be amazing for me. In this season, I'll share my very first time keeping a reading journal, and I'll recommend the titles I discover and love along the way, along with specific, practical tips to help you find the books you need in your reading life. This is Season 3, Episode 9 of Reading Like an Adult, and in this episode, we're going to explore some cozy topics, food nonfiction, and the favorite books from childhood that I'm rereading. I started this reading year and this third season of my bookish podcast with the intention of becoming a reading journaler. If you've been listening, then you already know what I'm going to say. It didn't happen. Or at least, the version of myself that I imagined when I thought about keeping a reading journal never materialized. I didn't collect pages of handwritten notes about the books I'm reading. I wasn't able to keep up with either a physical or a digital reading journal, and I haven't been tracking the books I put down. But I'm still happy with the progress I've made for this reading year, and I'm here, writing and recording this November episode in December, to celebrate the ways I grew as a reader this year. My biggest concern was the way I read and read and read, and then felt like I wasn't retaining anything, and the books were just drifting by like water without sticking in my memory, and without becoming a resource I could return to later. I'm accepting that, right now, I'm not the reader who will handwrite out every title I pick up with notes and thoughts about the book, but I'm also no longer the reader who would finish a book and then immediately struggle to remember what I read and to find the passages that resonated with me. I've used my book darts when I know I want detailed, specific notes, and because I'm not trying to document every single book I read, I've been able to come back to my book dart marked pages and type up the notes I need without feeling overwhelmed. I've learned to read more slowly and to reread lines and pages that moved me. I've embraced a more careful reading approach, where it's as if I'm savoring the book instead of devouring the book. I haven't given up on the idea of a physical reading journal, but I think I've found the twist on it that could work for me in the next reading year. More about that in the next episode. Even though I can't be the example of the reading journaler I wanted to be, I do recommend tracking your reading life in some way and periodically doing a reading check-in, especially if you notice yourself not being excited about your reading life. This year, I was a mood reader. I had big plans in January to do month-by-month reading themes, both in fiction and nonfiction. but when I got the books on my list from the library, I wouldn't always be able to get myself to read them. Looking back, I can remember key moments when I got bogged down and even questioned whether or not I enjoy reading. Early in the year, I checked out a stack of books in the library that had sounded so exciting when I chose them based on a historical fiction reading theme, and I didn't make it through a single one. I had to accept that I struggle with historical fiction even though I very much want to be that kind of reader, and I had to let that reading theme go. Over the summer, I found myself dragging in my reading life, and I had to stop myself and figure out why. As I talked about in an earlier episode, my summer discovery was simply that I was reading too many nonfiction titles at the same time, with a short story collection as my only source of fiction. I needed a novel, and going two weeks without picking up one was way too long for me. Every time I felt trapped in my reading life, I had to figure out what was going on. 
As we wind down the reading year, I've embraced my mood reader status and followed it to some childhood favorites, finally getting to the rereading I planned at the beginning of the year. I reread Freddy and the Baseball Team from Mars by Walter R. Brooks, and now I'm rereading the Paddington Bear series by Michael Bond. There's nothing like rereading your childhood favorites, especially when they hold up the way these do. Freddy's adventures are still funny and wonderful, and Paddington's life with the Browns at 32 Windsor Gardens still makes me smile. It's such a cozy reading mood to be in that familiar place again, while also appreciating these books in a new way. Reading them as an adult, I'm especially loving Paddington's adventures and the old-fashioned episodic approach to writing that children's books had back then. The rise and fall of each chapter with its own complete story feels like a mini-vacation every time I open the book. For November's non-fiction reading theme, I read about food. I started How to Bake Pie, an edible exploration of the mathematics of mathematics, a popular math book by Eugenia Chang. It was a lot of fun, and I enjoyed her approach of using food analogies to explain mathematic theory. I didn't end up finishing it because even though it was fun, it was still nonfiction with a lot of information that I needed to read slowly. It wasn't the right moment for a slow book. I needed some reading momentum. So while I planned to return to How to Bake Pie, the nonfiction read I ended up completing, and very much enjoying, was Voracious, A Hungry Reader Cooks Her Way Through Great Books by Cara Nicoletti. This is a fun, fast read, with each chapter featuring a mini-essay about a book that Nicoletti loved and a recipe tied to that book. I especially love the childhood and adolescent sections of the book because they featured titles I'd also read and loved when I was young. Little House in the Big Woods, The Indian in the Cupboard, Pippi Longstocking, Anne of Green Gables, Rebecca, Great Expectations. Voracious is a perfect read to pick up around the holidays and or in the winter when you just want to be inside and cozy with something warm and comforting to eat. Another fun food-related book I read this year was a novel with recipes, Kitchens of the Great Midwest. It's a multi-generational family saga with richly drawn characters and a wonderfully simple, unbelievably delicious recipe for chocolate peanut butter bars that's become one of my go-to desserts. Because we're talking about food in this episode, I thought I'd also recommend a couple of my go-to cookbooks and some of my favorite recipes. I love a physical cookbook. It's so satisfying to pull out a tried-and-true book and let it fall open to the recipe I've made countless times before, without having to try to remember what cooking blog featured the exact recipe I used and without dealing with the slow loading of a webpage covered in ads. Damn Delicious by food blogger Chunga Ri is one of those tried-and-true favorites. It checks all the boxes. Straightforward recipes, accessible ingredients, and a picture on every page. Smoked salmon cob salad, bang-bang chicken, and her take on spaghetti carbonara are now staples in our house. Another favorite cookbook I frequently recommend is the unofficial fan cookbook inspired by the show Gilmore Girls. Eat Like a Gilmore by Christy Carlson is both a loving look back through the series and so many of the delicious dishes and meals that are mentioned in the rapid-fire dialogue, and just a great cookbook. I picked this one up several years ago when I hadn't made something that required a recipe in a while, and the combination of homey goodness and complex, complementary flavors was perfect. 
Some of my favorite recipes from over the years have been the cornbread and the warm potato and chorizo salad that Suki made as part of an elaborate apology meal for Jackson, the lamb and artichoke stew that Luke made for a romantic dinner with Lorelai, and of course, the Gilmore take on chili, super meaty with lots of spicy flavor, perfect for making chili fries. A bookish tip if you're cookbook shopping, see what your local library has first so you can check out cookbooks and test out several recipes to see if it's the right fit. Once I'd successfully made half a dozen recipes from Damn Delicious and wanted to try more, I knew I needed to get my own copy. Right now, I'm trying out recipes from a library copy of Snacking Cakes, Simple Treats for Anytime Cravings, a collection of easy, quick, cozy cake recipes, and I already know it will be another staple to add to my cookbook shelf. I highly recommend the Swirled Jam Cake. I'm excited to share an amazing reading resource that I didn't discover until this year, the online use and new bookstore, betterworldbooks.com. Built as a socially responsible bookstore with bargain prices, Better World Books gives you the convenience of Amazon without the guilt. According to their website, Better World Books donates a book to someone in need for every book you buy, and they work with libraries to collect and resell books that would otherwise be thrown away. They make money, libraries receive funding, and books go to people who need them instead of ending up in a landfill. While you can buy new books from Better World, I think it's mostly a great resource for when you need an excellent used copy of a backlist book. I have a big reading goal for next year that meant I needed to buy my own copies of three specific books. Checking them out from the library just wouldn't cut it. I found all of them on Better World, and they're sitting on my office shelf now, ready for when I need them for my 2023 reading journey. I think Better World Books will be a key part of one of my reading resolutions, which I'll share in the next and final episode of this season, so stay tuned. This is my last time sharing my favorite book of 2022. I'm so glad I couldn't resist getting a signed copy of This Time Tomorrow by Emma Straub from my local bookstore. This is one of those times where the beautiful cover perfectly represents the book inside. I read this time tomorrow almost as slowly as I could bear to, because I loved the way it unfolded chapter by chapter so much. While there's only one first time to read a book, I already know that someday I'll want to slip back into the story of Alice's 40th birthday and what she discovers about her father and herself, and when I need to, the book will be on my office shelf waiting. Thanks for listening. You can visit readinglikeanadult.com to find a list of all the books mentioned in this episode. If you'd like more book recommendations or even a personalized reading list of your own, please check out my Substack newsletter, People Who Like Things. Subscribers will immediately get access to the two parts of my summer reading guide with even more recommendations for amazing books. This episode was written, narrated, and produced by me. I'm Jordani Karma, and I'm glad you're joining me on this reading journey. In the next episode, I'll share my bookish year in review and my reading goals for the new year. I hope they inspire you as you plan your reading life for 2023. I can't wait.